end your day right, right? End your day with a good headspace. Wake up, and then the process is your morning routine. What does your morning routine look like? And that's, you know, I name I name my alarm when I get up. I name my alarm: love, happiness, abundance, and healing. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. Battling depression, but not knowing it? Yeah, that's what we talk about with my next guest, Bill Murphy. He wrote the book Thriving in the Storm. You can check that out on Amazon. We dive into victim mentality. How do we break through that? We talk about shaming and verbal abuse. He has his nine key principles that he goes over, some of them in the podcast, and mental exercises that he uses, whether it's his morning routine, evening routine, which we dive into a little deeper. We talk about something I I never heard about, which is the trauma egg. Maybe you have. And we talk about some cool hacks, like one of them, naming your alarm in the morning so you can identify with it a lot better. And I'm like, ooh, I want to try that. Anyway, jump into this one. Bill Murphy, you're going to have fun. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts. And today I have Bill Murphy with me. He's a great author. And man, he's got some stories for you. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tristan. Super excited to be here. Yeah, you're out of Massachusetts, man. What's what's going on over there? Oh, uh, we're having uh, a, a late summer here in, in November with uh, 70 degree weather for the last few days. Beautiful. Dude, I think we reversed. So I'm out here in, in Malibu, California, and it's gloomy, it's wow. raining, and it's like 56. And I'm like, what's going on? You have our fall weather. <laughs> oh, dude, we're, we're reversing. I'm excited to talk to you because you've got a new book out called Thriving in the Storm, Nine Principles to Help You Overcome Any Adversity. I want to know where the idea of that came from, because it feels like it's a great topic in the world that we're coming out of, because a lot of you're hearing a lot of mental health issues, you're hearing a lot of depression and anxiety, nervousness. Where'd the idea come from? Oh man, you just hit it. You hit it on the head. I wrote it during the pandemic and, um, you know, we're all pretty much on lockdown and it was, it was a culmination of journal notes over the years. And, um, some of the things that I uncovered over the last several years of, of my life, which was depression and, and that I didn't know about and, um, that I was, that I was battling and, um, just always found a way to overcome when I was made to feel less than growing up. So that's that's kind of how this came. And then the, the principles, you know, the, the, the three three choices that we talk about is, you know, take on a thriving mentality, a can-do positive mindset, um, instead of a victim mentality where you can just lay in bed and hit that snooze button and never get up when mm-hmm. adversity hits or a challenge arises, or you could just survive and just you know, be a zombie and walk through life when, when you get hit upside the head or you can thrive and that's where you're going to, you can still accomplish things. And some of those hardest challenges are the biggest opportunities for us. All right. You mentioned something, something there about 
not knowing that you were in the middle of depression or not knowing that you were depressed. Can you tell me about that? Because that may be happening to some of our listeners where they're feeling kind of like burnt out or just no motivation to keep going. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a pretty rough, I had a rough childhood, even though I, I considered it normal. Um, but it was a lot of shaming, a lot of, uh, you know, verbal and f- physical abuse. And so I was always, I was always doing, set out to do things to overcome and show them. I'll show him um, that I am more than more than you think I am. And so that was like, that's from, from, from a young age, mm-hmm. kind of how that came about. So I always said, you know, I had, you know, anger and angst and anxiety. Anxiety was the word that w- was used in place of depressed. Mm. And so I would, I would, that would be my, my way of saying I'm, I'm not depressed. I'm anxious. And I'm overwhelmed. But when I was down, you know, that's, that's kind of how that came about. I read a book. I was actually on a run. I was running a few years ago, uh, training for Boston Marathon. And I listened to this book by Terry Real. He's a, he's a world sought after uh, therapist. And he wrote a book called, I don't want to talk about it. 30 years ago, it's men's depression. And I read the book and I was like, Oh my God, man, I am depressed. And I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't realize that I was. And the, the, the story is about Terry growing up as a, you know, as a boy into adulthood. And his dad was um very, very abusive verbally and physically. And I went to see Terry because he's in Massachusetts. I went to see him and I said, Hey, that book resonated with me you, you were me in that book and your dad was my dad in that book, but I had it way worse than you. And he said, you're screwed, but he, he used another choice word. He's like, you gotta go, <laughs> you gotta go check, you gotta go check yourself into an intensive, you know, get your stuff right because, you know, you gotta fix some things because I kept saying it was a normal, you know, things were normal. Mm-hmm. And so I go, I, I go down to, uh, PCS is psychological counseling services in Arizona. Go there, check in for a, a week intensive. Now, now, keep in mind, I'm I'm the I'm the guy that works, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. I need, you know, I'm always in my work. I, I can't leave. I can't go. I, you know, I I how's my work gonna survive? Like, how's everything gonna go? I I'm not doing this. I'm not, I want kicking and screaming for my family. And um, and so when I went down there, they said, dude, you're depressed and your your childhood was not normal. And you you have PTSD, and then I even said, well, I'm not worthy of PC PTSD because that's a warrior's diagnosis. That's yeah. a soldier. I'm not on the battlefield. And so, like, and in that, in what transpired is, I didn't even give myself enough credit to be worthy of a diagnosis. So, like, there was a lot of there was a lot of things wrong with that. Um, as we unpack it. So, um, you know, th- I've always been able to achieve at a, at a pretty good level in my business, in my career and do, do things with extreme. But mm-hmm. what I, what I realized is as I went through this process over the last few years was there's this test, it's called the ACE test. It's the adverse child childhood experiences. And the, the psychologist said, 
you should be dead or in jail with what you went through statistically. Statistically. And he said, but you've been able to overcome by just losing yourself in your workaholism or your extreme sports, you know, Ironman's martial arts and, and things, you know, ultra marathons and things of that nature, just to kind of, to get away. But what the problem was is when I would lose myself in my work, I would take that angst in my work and bring it home. Mm. And now that tension was coming through the door, even though I always wanted to avoid anything that I, you know, anything that I grew up with that way. So I, you know, just you know, continue to work on myself. That's kind of how this came about is, you know, work on yourself every single day. And the one thing that I realized was the younger me or the younger self that went through this, these traumas of, of the abusive childhood was, I didn't care about that kid. Mm. Because if you, if you told me that, you know, your son was, you know, at seven years old was put through a wall or waterboarded or whatever. And I would be like in tears, you know, like um, I would have all kinds of empathy. And when I told the story, it was just like, yeah, this happened and that happened. It was matter of fact, you know, where, mm. yeah, yeah. when I was seven, I get thrown through the wall, but like, I didn't care about the kid. But if you told me about another kid that happened to him, I'd be like, oh my God, let me hug that kid. Let me, let me uh, pick him up. So that was the process that had to unfold is I had to care about my younger self. Wow. And it's been, it's been an incredible breakthrough over the years. How have you been able to transition into being better at home from all of the stresses and anxiety you had at work? How does that look now to who you are and how did you get there? It's so unimportant, right? It's so unimportant. That that deal that's blowing up will be there tomorrow. <laughs> you know, you know, you don't you you got one shot at it. I mean, why take why constantly take stuff in into the house or into your personal life with your with your family or your kids? They they don't they don't need it, they don't need to see that. They don't need to be part of that. Yeah. That's that was that was the pr- process that was unfolding. Dude, that's so true. But how did you how did you finally realize that? Was it was it reading this book? You said I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it, going through that process and going through the intensive to get there. Or or because you've also run five marathons, you've got a black belt, and you do a lot of activities that I'm assuming help with the whole calming down and getting centered as well. So Take me through this process of of getting to a better place to be a better person or a better father or a better spouse at home. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that's kind of taking on the, the thriving mentality, right? So, you know, your routine is incredibly important. And um I say I call it, I call the routine building your fortress for the days, for the days curveballs that get thrown at you, right? So, mm-hmm. so let's 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 walk through that. If if you if you you know binge watch TV and have three glasses of wine at night and get up and you're hitting the snooze button five times and, and then you know you're running late and you know you get all kinds of issues happening at work and at home and you know the kids miss the bus or or you know what, what you gotta, you know what have you you are just you're in reaction mode all day you set the tone to be reactive 
and not not uh, winning the day, right? You're just you're constantly chasing. So if you set yourself up and you practice bookending, where the night before you're just kind of journaling for five minutes, not even five minutes. Hey, what were my wins today? What, what am I grateful for today? What are my blessings? And and you know don't don't have the TV on with garbage or or or, or binge watching Netflix. And, and that's okay as a reward, but if you do that day in and day out for four six hours a day, which the average American watches TV, then then you're creating you're creating problems for for your tomorrow. So so end your day right, right? End your day with a good headspace. Wake up, and then the process is your morning routine. What does your morning routine look like? And that's you know I name I name my alarm when I get up. I name my alarm oh. love, happiness, abundance, and healing. Wait, and that's that's the name of your alarm. Yeah, you can name your alarm on an iPhone. Oh yeah, yeah, your alarm, dude. So okay, tell me that again because that's good. I have well, to so read give, give it whatever you want. Give it your affirmations, right? Love, healing, abundance. Uh, it was love, healing, abundance, and it was four things. I'll have to check it. Love, healing, abundance, and I think it's prosperity. I I change it a lot. So just what I'm in. I the like it. so whatever you're feeling motivated with, like the night before, you're like, no, oh, I'm gonna wake up to happiness. <laughs> yeah, happiness is the other one. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I like yeah. that, man. But so, so that's the first thing you see, right? So even if you're, even if you have both eyes closed, and as soon as you open them, that's the first thing you see. That that's just going to be a subliminal message for you, right? To just trigger your day. You know, um, you know, I'll, I'll say a, a quick prayer and give some thanks, and the, the blessings are all free, right? You know, your your family, your health, your, you know, your career, whatever. You know, all these things, the roof over your head you know, the great country we live in, it's all free, right? So you have a million blessings you can be thankful for as soon as you, as soon as you go. And then uh, I do a little work, I journal and um, I, uh, I get my workouts and I'm a, a morning workout guy. And that, that, those endorphins and that dopamine that sets your day up. Now, now you go through the day and you have an issue. You, you, you get to the office or you go to your place of work and there's all kinds of stuff coming at you. You'd be like, you know what? I'm in a good space. I'm in a good, I have, I have a good mind frame, uh, frame of mind right now. And I can handle this. And we're going to involve, we're going to involve these people that can help solve this. We're going to mastermind this. We're going to be in a good place. Now, the reactive person that went to bed with three glasses of wine and binge watch TV and was reacting, walks in the office and is disheveled and they quit the day. Like, or I say hide under your desk and avoid all the issues like, hey, hey, we we can't find Joey. Where's Joey? You know he's under <laughs> his desk. He's got all kinds of issues going on, and you know. So it's just like that. I think when you quit your day and you're accustomed to that, that's kind of swimming in mediocrity, right? You're just you're just you're just living in that in that space, and that's not a healthy way. That's not a healthy way to live. So if you if you have these routines of your 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 bookends, it, it at least prepares you to weather that storm that comes at you when they yeah. come. At you it happens every day we all get we all get stuff there's mini storms and there's there's certainly uh hurricanes that makes a lot of sense all right so you mentioned you have nine key principles and you have 21 mental exercises when you're looking at the morning and evening routine are those part of the mental exercises or are those part of the principles both well so the exercises would you know, if we say create your morning routine and build your fortress, then we'll give the exercises on, hey, journal, what were my wins? What were 
exercise journal got it do you have do you have in there name your alarm <laughs> or no I think, I, I think there's a little i think we threw, threw that in there. that's so cool i love that hack by the way so it's, it's a really good idea it's just just a mental note i love that so in the morning or in the evening take me through two things one what is your journaling process look like wow it it, it does change a, a lot of it is part of it is um i just um come up with after a workout i always get my thoughts right so thoughts are just like exercises for for content for thriving in the storm we'll come up with or we'll come up with some i'll come up with some ideas for blogs that we're writing um and because that's when I feel like I'm most creative when those ideas come after after or during a workout. In the morning, it's like I said, it's just a quick couple sentences of, you know, gratitude, what I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. I'll write down uh, my blessings. And then the end of the day, I just recap, I'll recap it. Um, just, hey, these three things happened. These were my wins. These, these are my lessons and what I expect tomorrow. And then I again, would give gratitude at the end of the day. I like that. And giving gratitude at the end of the day, what does that look like? Well, it's what usually it comes from the wins. You know, I had these wins and I was grateful for, you know, my colleague uh, stepping up or I was, I was grateful for this client or I was grateful for this uh, really nice random text that I got from my son or daughters, you know. Nice. I like that, man. Those That's a really great way to end the day. And then the other question here is, what do you typically gravitate to when you're reading? It's all per- personal development, self-help. And, uh, you know, in addition to the reading now these days, like great podcasts like yours, you know, we were talking earlier, like I just listened to some some great podcasts. You That story of uh, with with Joe Polish, we talked about that one and Gibson. Like I, I knew that commercial with the Reebok with Bungie. I knew that, and I heard that story, and that was that was incredible, man. I would, I won't forget that one against Nike. That was yeah. awesome, awesome segment in your podcast, man. That was great. Thanks, man. I was a kid when that came out. I had to Google it. I was like, what, what, what is that? And I was like, well, oh. So funny. Do you know why that resonated with me? Because Celtics. I don't know if you remember this, but D Brown. D Brown was won the won a dunk championship. He won the dunk championship. Uh, oh. It was either before Jordan or after Jordan or in between. And he pumped up his sneakers, the Reebok, <laughs> before he won it. It was it was it, it, it brought me chills, man. It was, That's it, was awesome. So awesome. I, it brought me back to my childhood. Listen to your podcast. That was so memorable. But I remember those Reeboks, and I remember D Brown winning the of the Celtics winning that dunk championship. You have to you have to YouTube that. Now D-Brown. I have to YouTube that. Yeah, see, man. So it's, it was great stuff. I'll was, never stop YouTubing stuff now, man. D Brown pumping. Yeah, it's great. Reeboks. Now I have to do that. All right. Let's talk about what you feel. And this is going to be a hard one because I, I feel like there are nine key principles because there are important, they're all important, right? But where do we start? Do we start with principle number one as being the most important? Or do we start somewhere in the middle? Now that you've written the book and it's out there, what would you say is the most important principle to start with and at least to include in your day no matter what? Man, so we we let's just bring this back for where, where we started, right? So chapter one is make peace with your past, right? So 
my past was my my childhood that I needed to make peace with because I didn't care for the kid that was me at a young age. So in order to do that, I had to I had to make peace with everything that happened and leave all that heavy baggage, you know, drop all that heavy baggage that was the burden, right? And forgive, forgive myself, forgive, you know, my father, forgive, you know, that upbringing. And that was, that was where this all started. Because think about this, if you're carrying around all of this, these burdens and these ill wills and, and grudges through life, man, think about somebody that's just a grudge hold, right? They're just, they're, they're chasing. They're not going to get ahead because they don't know how to, or they haven't figured out that they need to let go of that negativity. You have to let it go. No matter how much somebody has wronged you, if you're scorned, you're you're going to be struggling. That's so true. A lot of people carry those things and they use them as filters to look at the world with, right? And then it damages them because at the very beginning, you're like, you're, you're trying to get away from this victim mentality that you have. And part of that is the filters we're using because we hold on to these things, like you're saying, right? So after you have this meeting with the author of, I, I don't want to talk about it, and he says, you're screwed, you've got to go into an intensive, take me through that process. What happens then in your life? So I was kicking and screaming, right? Um, just because I didn't want to leave my work. I didn't think I needed it. Uh, I went down there. And so while I, while he said this, I was training for my Ironman, my first Ironman. And what year was this, dude? 2019. And two weeks later, you know, I'm or a week and a half later, I'm checking myself into the PCS after I finished finished that Ironman. So I had a lot, I had a lot going on, but I was just losing myself in my training to to kind of put it aside, knowing that I had to go. I get down there and I kept saying my my past was normal, my childhood was normal. They wanted to they wanted to peel back those layers. So one of the exercises was you had to create was a trauma egg. And you had to list all these things that was traumatic to you, right? So at the time, um, I put the, the someone that I cared, you know, I was caring for, and she was really sick for a couple of years, and but she was in touch and go for about ninety days in and out of hospitals and surgeries, and weren't sure if she was going to make it. And so I put that was my biggest trauma, and they're like, "Yeah, that's that's that's." Um, an incredible trauma, traumatic experience. But for you, what was your biggest trauma that happened to you uh, in your life? And they wanted they wanted to get back to the childhood because that's you know my, my story. And I was like, yeah, I was beat down a lot. I was shamed. I was poked in the chest and ridiculed and, and made to feel less than. And you know, I was you know everything was a, a condition. You know, uh, growing up, like if if I sign you up for baseball, you need to go do chores for the next 24 hours, you know, and, you know, just everything was a condition. So I remember I, so I'm at, I'm at, I'm at PCS and then I called my mom and I said, ma, I can't really remember much what happened to me before the age of five. They want to really uncover some stuff. And she's like, well, I don't remember what, what happened. You know, daddy wasn't nice to you. That's what she said. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he was a jerk. And so uh, and then, so I'm like, okay, my, if you can't remember, that's fine. I said, I really don't want to have to call you anyways, because I didn't want to put you through that. And she calls me back five minutes later in hysteria. 
crying on the other line. Like she couldn't even, she couldn't even get a word out. And I'm like, Ma, calm down. What's going on? And so she's like, I remember some stuff. And she was going on and on. And like, when you were a baby, to get you to stop crying, uh, your father would hold you under the water, uh, under the faucet, and till you'd stop crying. I was like, Ma, that's waterboarding. You can't even do that to the Taliban. Like, that's a war crime. I was like, how is that even okay? And, she, and that was like one of his tricks. Or they would, he would harness you to the crib because you were getting out. And like, I was like, oh my God, like a lot of that stuff. And then, you know, I, I called my sister and then my sister's like, I remember you were put through a wall and, and you had to fix it afterwards, but I thought you were dead when you dropped. And I was like, yeah, no. I, 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 I was like seven or eight. And I remember fixing the wall. I never remember going through the wall, but so, so, <laughs> so, how, so how messed up is this? Right. So not only did I, did I damage the wall, but I had to fix the wall that I was thrown through. Like that's, that's, you want to talk about shaming and humili- humi- humiliation, right? So I tell these stories, right? I tell these stories. I, the next day I tell these to, to the, to the counselors, I tell these stories, these three stories, right? And so they have an intake meeting. Uh, so th- I get there on a Saturday. I probably told the story on a Tuesday. They have this intake meeting on Wednesday where all the clinicians and therapists, there's 20 of them in a room, right? Mm-hmm. And they're stories. So the two therapists that I, I told this to in, in separate sessions, they're talking to each other and I'm there and I'm watching this, but they're talking to each other like I'm not there. But they're telling the story about the water, about the, the faucet water and, and, the, and, and, and the harnessing to the crib and all this other stuff. And they're crying. And I'm Whoa. Like, so you, you want to talk about the change right there. The change happened right then and there when I said, oh, my God, that happened to me. And they're crying because of what happened to me and that kid that's inside. So that's where the transformation started to happen when I realized that it was so powerful and intense that I had I had to start looking at it a little differently and that from that from that day it was it was um it changed everything. You know, it changed how I looked at it, it changed my my empathy for for the young kid which was me and now What's really important, a lot of us, and we talked about this in the beginning about mental health is so important. Like, we don't love ourselves enough. Many of us don't love ourselves enough. And you have to get in touch with that. You have to care about yourself. How have you done that to be able to give us some advice on loving ourselves deeper? Was it kind of going through that process that you just took us through, or was it different? Well, so that was the start of it, right? So where where I think that happens is when when you have an accomplishment, right? So like if I'm training for an Ironman or or my martial arts black belt or whatever, if I'm if I'm training and I get to that, I'm on to the next thing, right? It's like, hey, I got it. Let's go. Let's move on. What what's next, right? Mm-hmm. So part of loving yourself is like, dude, you know take in the fresh air and breathe and look at all the beautiful colors on the journey. The journey is going to teach you way more than the end result and the accomplishment because you learn so much. And then you, you start to, you know, you can give yourself an attaboy and at a girl and Hey, I did this and I'm doing this and I feel good about this. And mm-hmm. that's where that starts. You start to appreciate yourself and your environment, everything around you. And if you're not loving yourself, you're not going to appreciate anything. Yeah, 
I see that. I see what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. It's you miss, miss moments of appreciation because we're moving so fast and we're moving on to the next thing. That's a big part of what you're talking about. Dude, mental health is a, is a big issue right now. And it, and it starts, I think, with, with that. I don't think we, we know how to love ourselves, man. No. When I'm looking at your title, Thriving in the Storm, what was the storm? What, what were you picturing when you, when you had that? term storm well so there's there's all kinds of storms right and mm-hmm. there there are major storms and there's mini storms and like we were talking about your day being screwed up is a mini storm but then you know you could be taking care of a taking care of somebody that's deathly ill and that's a major storm i mean so life's full of storms and it's how we deal with it can we take on that thriving mentality to not just get through it we got to avoid the victim mentality. You have to, um, and not just survive it, but thrive during it. There's so many opportunities that present themselves to you where you can do, do so much for the greater good. When, when you have that thriving mentality and you're in the middle of the storm, not to mention a lot of times when like during the pandemic, a lot of people were taking on that, that victim mentality. And I'll tell, yep. I'll tell you what, you, did you hear the, the term COVID-15 where everybody put on 15 pounds because they were eating crap and they were, <laughs> they were drinking every night and they were, they were locked in. And so like, but, but why not take, that's when you can take on, that's when an opportunity to take on that thriving mentality and be, that's when I was writing the book. And that's when I was, you know, we had our, one of our best years in business um, rates dropped, you know, like in the mortgage business, like we had a good time, but it's a lot, but I did see a lot of, a lot of people just go down now. And I'll give you an example. How about the kids? Like the kids, my, my son was in college. My daughters were in high school and they missed their proms. They miss, they miss football. My son missed football, uh, you know, his, yeah. um, whatever his years they had to play in the spring, you know, like there was all kinds and there was a few games and like a lot of these kids, you know, missed all these uh, incredible, incredible times and mental health was, was real. Like it wasn't just adults. It was like everybody was, was, was dealing with that. And so that was super important not to take on a victim mentality and try to figure out ways to be productive because we, we were in times where no one has ever seen in their life. You're locked down pretty much. Right. So, so you have to, we have to figure that out. Like, how can I be productive? What can I do for the greater good? Um, How can I, not only be successful, but be significant where I can make an impact on somebody. And, you know, that, that could be, there are so many, there's so many things that, that um, could use, use help. There's all kinds of great charities out there. During that time, I was actually training for the Boston Marathon. They were going to have it. It's usually in April and they were going to have it in, um, in October and it was August. And um, I run for Make-A-Wish, right? I've been, we've been doing, we've been uh, affiliated with Make-A-Wish for over 15 years. And I'm running for the team and on my way to the run, I, a run, I, I, it's not sexy, but I tore my quad, uh, walking down my stairs, it tore, tore right from the, right from the bone all the way up to my hip. They had to, I had to have emergency surgery the next day. And so like everybody knows about it and they're, they're like, Hey, Bill, sorry, you can't run, run the marathon this year. You can't do the make, you know, uh, we'll get your, uh, bib for next year for make a wish. And I said, well, wait a second we can do it. We're going to figure this out. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll do it on crutches. So 
contact BAA Boston Athletic Association. They're like, no freaking way are we going to let you on, on the course uh, in crutches. Uh, it's a liability. And then so I'm like, okay, well, we're not giving up. So this is kind of the thriving mentality I'm talking about, right? So we're going to figure this out. And um, I wouldn't take the pain meds because I wanted to, I wanted to, make, I may have taken them one day after surgery, but I wanted to make sure that I was, I was in a, a good mindset. And mm-hmm. I started to train on crutches um, for the marathon. And we ended up finding, securing a venue at my old uh, college, which state college. And we ran around the track in October, the marathon day, October 10th, I believe it was 60 days after the surgery. And I, I did it on crutches. Wow. A lot of people, and I, and I had, I had a therapist, I had a bunch of coaches and I believe that everybody should get coached and even therapists, if you can get a good one. But my therapist said to me, she's like, Bill, what do you have to prove? And I said, I said, I'm going to tell you what, these kids at Make-A-Wish who are going through a critical illness, they don't have a choice to go through that illness and deal with that. So if I commit to doing this and I can do it, then I'm going to do it for those kids. And so here's the silver lining. So so we talk about silver linings and everything, right? The silver lining was I raised probably, I had all kinds of news coverage and raised probably four times the amount that I would have normally raised uh, for Make-A-Wish because I did the damn marathon on crutches. And so that that's beautiful, right? Like there's your silver yeah. lining out of, out of all that. And yeah. that's... Those are funds that go to these kids that are that are in need of a wish. I like that, man. I like that. All right. So you, you get through COVID, you write this great book. And now we're because you're you're on the mortgage side of things. And now the the real estate side of things, and with part of the economy, looks like it's not doing too well with the rates going up high and and People talking about a housing crash, right? Um, how how are you mentally dealing with that and helping others cope with that? Yeah, so I lead I lead a team, and everybody is is worried. We're all worried, right? So we have mm-hmm. that are inflation's forty years high, forty year highs, right? We haven't had inflation like this since the eighties, like eighty one, and uh, rates are at twenty five years high, twenty five year highs. So we've never seen times like a lot of us haven't seen times like, or that have been in the business. I've seen seen times like this. So we have to just that there's there's the, the thriving mentality. Like you have to prospect way more than you ever had. You have to talk to people way more than you ever have. You have to get face to face with way more people than you ever have. You have to create your. You have to make sure your marketing is top notch at working at a high level. Like everything needs to be. Um, working in, incredibly well, um, more so than you ever needed it to work. And everything needs to be in sync because these are times that we haven't seen before. And that's how you're going to get by. Now, there, there's there's a lot of people getting out of the business and that's the victim mentality, right? They're like, you know what? I can't do this. I I, I just can't do this. I, this is too much, yeah. too, too hard. I, I'm not, I don't have the systems in place. I don't have the mindset, you know? So I'm just going to quit and you know, I'll do something else and, or you can stay in it. But so that process of creating these systems also keeps your energy going and keeps your enthusiasm going, even as you're going through these rough economic times in this business. 
Got it. And do you apply the the nine key principles to to your team as well and say, hey guys, let's let's stick to these, go through this process to get us better results? How does that work? There, the, the stuff that's applicable, sure. Like make peace with your past. I don't know. Um, you know, do we do we say this isn't the 80s and we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna be okay with it? Um, you know, building up your fortress, absolutely managing your mind is 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 huge knowing your purpose like what is your purpose you have to know your purpose um identify and break your negative patterns like what are your bad habits that you need to identify what's holding you back you know so so many so much of us are held back because we're worried or stuck uh feeling unworthy but here's the thing about worry right so research shows that 90% of all worries don't come true and if if they do come true, they're not as bad as they seemed that we envisioned. And then, but think about this, take it a step further, the same worry thoughts we just thought that aren't going to come true and aren't as bad as they seem, we think about the next day. We think about the same worry thoughts the next day. So you're going to break those worry thoughts. You're going to break those patterns and, and start to focus on what you can do, not what you have no control over. That's so true, man. That's very true. There's a... There's a quote by Socrates somewhere around there about worrying about things that are never going to happen, right? I just can't I just can't pinpoint it in my head. Socrates, huh? Yeah, but you also mentioned one of your principles here that I wrote down, identify your identifying your bad habits, right? How how is it that we go through this process because a lot of us are oblivious to the things that we're doing bad or or that we're even hurting people in, in certain ways, or our approach is all off to get better results. How do we do that? Where do we start with that process? Well, so I, I think everybody should get coached, right? So a coach can guide you there. Um, there's a few things you can do to identify your habits. If you can't see them, you know, journaling will help you. Journaling what happened to you every day at the end of the day, um, you can look back and maybe identify some patterns there. But so get coached, get coached in life and business, right? So that that's going to give a snapshot that you're going to, you'll fill out questionnaires and things. And that's going to give a snapshot of things that you may not even see, or a good coach is going to help you uncover and guide you, guide you through it. Um, I, I believe you should have your top five people that, that are in your, that are your power of positivity, right? So yeah. It probably isn't going to be immediate family all the time, right? Because (laughs) as much as our immediate family uh, means well, uh, they're not always going to get you out, right? So, or tell you the truth. So you need need some people that you could really um, count on as accountability partners and be like, hey, you know, what do you see here? I'm struggling here, but I can't pinpoint what's going on. And then you know you, your top five. Who are your top five people? A lot of times they're coaches, they're bosses. There's you know they could be friends, they could be um, mentors. Yeah, dude, I like that. And and you mentioned something that that I hadn't really thought about before when you said uh, journaling is like self coaching. I didn't, I never put that together before. That's a. If you recap the day, if you recap the day, and you go back and read your journal notes. You can get you can get a lot of insight if you do it every day. Now again, so here's the thing: this this is where where the magic happens. Is everyone everyone listening? I don't want you to think that, oh man, how am I going to fit 
all this journaling, all this stuff and these routines into my, into my day. You can journal for less than five minutes at the end of the day, a couple of sentences. You know, you can put one word answers about what you're grateful for. My kids, my family, my work, my career, my accomplishment at the gym, whatever, like, you know, in, a, in, a, in less than a sentence. So, and then you just, you identify those patterns or you could even, you could even like, I do, I take notes on my phone. You know, if I don't have, if I'm not journaling somewhere, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not in a place where I can do that, I have a notes, I have my notes section where all my, yeah. my things go. And usually that's most of my notes end up there after a workout because I get all the great ideas during, during my, uh, my endorphins and dopamine screaming at me about these creative ideas that I, that I should implement. I, to- I totally get that too. I always, I always hesitate to go on live and just talk because I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm just, I'm on a high, right? So I'm like, should I, should I not? Right. So I, I get you, man. Notes is probably the safest thing to do. I agree with you. That's where all the, that's where all the book notes came from. My notes and my phone. No way. Nice. So what are you, what are you gravitating towards next to elevate you to, to a better version of yourself? So I always believe in, in, in putting a physical goal out there. Right. So whatever that is, you you know, just, uh, you know, whether it's a, you want to hike a mountain or run a marathon or whatever, I believe that you should always have something physical because those, we just talked about it. The physical part of your mentality is you get your ideas, your creativity flowing with the dopamine and the endorphins and all that adrenaline. You just get, you get creative ideas. Um, so I always, I always have a physical goal. Uh, I just, I, I'm going to sign up for another Ironman next year. Um, and still working on, working on some martial art, um, uh, stuff that we got going. And so that's the physical stuff. Um, the, the business stuff, you know, where I'm just working on expanding my team. Um, so it's kind of taking big pictures, taking a step back out of the sales as much and, and and building the team to be doing most of that selling, but we're getting there. So, so those are some of the things that we're working on right now. Well, I like that, man. And tell me what, what's your regiment look like as far as reading and ingesting new information. So you're always creating new thoughts. Well, I always have, I always have a book going, um, usually multiple books going at, at, at all times, it's usually like three, four going at once. It's always personal development, self-help, um, just because we're doing a lot of podcasting right now. So a lot of it is around public speaking and and podcasting. So so here's the thing, like when you're getting coached and you want to get good at something, immerse yourself in that. If you want to go on podcasts, figure out how to be a good podcast guest. <laughs> you know, if you want to get into public speaking, learn how to go talk. If you If you want to write a book, Learn how, you know, there's, there's tools at your, at your dispense. If you want to get into sales, you know, I tell all my people, I was like, read every sales book you can like learn, learn that craft. Like not everything's going to, is going to, you're going to identify with everything, but there's something you're going to identify with out of any given uh, book. Um, So I love Malcolm Gladwell's uh, 10,000 hours to be an expert. Right. Mm, So so I was, I was thinking about that. So in martial arts, I have, I was actually telling my instructor this the other day, I said, you know, I have, I have a, a second degree black belt in Krav Maga. And I said, but I'm not an expert because I don't think I got 10,000 hours in it. And so I was like, I need to get 10,000 hours 
because I want to be an expert. Like, right? Or or just like one kick, one specific kick, 10,000 versions of that specific damn kick, right? Yep. Bruce Lee. Yeah. Bruce Lee yeah. said that. He he I, I fear I don't fear the guy with 10,000 kicks. I fear the guy that practiced 10,000 uh, one kick 10,000 times. Yeah. Dude, I love that, man. All right. Well, where do we follow you, Bill? Where do we find more information about you? Yeah, th- thrivinginthestorm.com. Um, they can they can go there and uh, get some more um, information. We got some blogs coming out. We got some. Uh, you can get the workbook um, from the exercises in the book, and uh, we get some more content. We're going to be releasing some coursework uh, in the next couple months, so they can go to thrivinginthestorm.com. I love that, man. Thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.